It's been seven years and more than 300 episodes since we last spoke with Adam at Ascension, and a lot has changed since then. From his explosive opening in 2015 to now, they've added their thick seltzer line, countless amazing variants of Gorilla Juice, and their famous hazy beers. But Adam in this episode talks about the importance of his business, which includes empowering his employees to be the best versions of themselves. Sit down with the one of our rare one-on-one interviews where Ken gets Adam to chat about the changes in the industry, what makes Ascension stand out, and what the future can hold for the brewery with their brand new production facility. Whether your beer is in a bottle, can, or glass, kick back and relax. It's Better on Draft! Welcome, everybody, to episode 39 of the Michigan Beer Series. My name is Ken. It is just me today because we have a very special guest. I have been trying to get this man into studio, onto Zoom, anywhere I could get him on. We have Adam on from Ascension Brewing. Adam, how are you doing today? Good morning, Ken. I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to have you on. It has been roughly seven years, I believe, since we've had you on the show. Uh, We have gone through over almost 400 episodes, so I know we have a lot to catch up on, and I know we have uh, a little bit of a time crunch to go, Um, but I want to kind of do a little reset. Let's explain what is Ascension, where is Ascension, and what are you currently doing there? Oh, yeah, dude. Ascension is a little brewery in Novi. Uh, We uh, have been around, it'll be, let's see, eight years this summer, and we've got a staff of just under 20 people. We have a production facility in Wixom, and uh, that's it. We make beer, and we got a pretty cool restaurant, too. Fun tap room to hang out in. A lot of really great staff. Uh, fun place to hang out for the locals. Now, are you the head brewer? Are you brewing? What What is your day-to-day position there? Uh, at this point, I'm more of a coach and kind of a mentor and an overseer. Um, I don't brew, I don't cook the food, and I don't manage the restaurant, but I'm kind of involved in everything, and uh, we meet weekly and discuss plans. So I'm kind of uh, in charge of implementation, strategy planning, uh, marketing initiatives, like all uh, everything in between, basically. Well, this is going to bring me up to, I was listening to some of your other interviews and you did an interview with the guild and you mentioned the following statement um, regarding your sense of values at Ascension. And it said valuing people for who they are, not what they contribute to your business in a monetary sense. Now you mentioned you're a coach, you're kind of the, um, you know, the, the central figure everybody knows, but what does this actually like mean to you and how do you empower everyone at Ascension to be, I guess, the best version of them? That's a really great question. Actually, that's a that's like a very important question to me. So I'm glad that you asked it. Uh, I think the easy way to describe this would be to compare and contrast maybe briefly what it looks like at a place where that doesn't happen, um, where you're viewed as a number um, based on how many nuts you can put on a bolt in a day. Um, and there's really no soul to that process. Uh, I think all of us were created with individual unique strengths, things that we're good at just by the way we were put together. Uh, and we've got 19 of those people working for us. So my goal as an owner is really just to try to find out what people are good at, where their passions lie and see how we can get them plugged into places that let that, that motivation and those natural inclinations flourish. So uh, I I don't know how much attention is paid to that in everybody else's company. I would like to think in the beer industry, that's probably emphasized on a general scale more than other industries. Um, We see a lot of creativity in our industry, but uh, a lot of times things get lost in the fray. Uh, we're pretty busy people. Everybody's kind of staying in their own lane a lot. 
Um, so one of the ways that I try to value what our people are doing is give legs to their ideas. It seems real simple, but uh, it's amazing how many things I, I get approached with. You know, if, if I hear 100 ideas in a week, I probably say no to 97% of them. <laughs> but that's probably the only reason why we're still here. <laughs> um, but the, uh, the ideas now are, that we're hearing from people are are different because our staff have stayed and we have a maturing workforce uh, with a lot of commitment and a lot of time spent behind the bar, behind the, the brew house, uh, in the kitchen, you know, all these areas. And we've got people that are really committed to what we're doing here. So they are the ones who are producing and doing all this great stuff. I'm just kind of watching it happen. And somebody has to say, uh, hey, this is good, but maybe also check out you know, these other things here, if you do this, this is, you know, some of the consequences. So, so I act in some cases, they probably don't feel like I'm, I'm as useful maybe in some ways, but um, I like to see it as someone who can speak with the blinders off and who really has objective opinions. I have a goal as a, you know, as a, a company, of course, but um, my goal is really, I think if, if we hire the right people, then the ideas that they're coming up with are going to be more or less in line, you know, with a little bit of guidance to what we're trying to to do as a company. And that's, that's how people grow just in general. When we talked back in 2016, I believe, uh, we actually talked about turnover within the industry. And since then, uh, I know a lot of people are aware we went through the COVID pandemic. How did uh, the turnover with, you know, gaining or losing employees, um, how did that work with you guys over at Ascension? Did you were you able to keep a lot of your staff? Did you have uh, you know were you able to limit things? How did how did that progress for you? Well, COVID was a pretty crappy time for everybody. Um, I, I think everybody, including myself, like all of us, have had to make choices that we're not proud of, and people lost their jobs when they shouldn't have, and you know people left under weird circumstances. You've heard all these stories. Uh, we're not we're not like immune <laughs> to a hundred percent of that. Um, I'm still cleaning up messes that are directly related to something that happened three years ago with that, that whole stuff, you know, so it, but at the same time, there've been bright spots. Um, quite a few of our staff stayed actually. Uh, I would say probably about, geez. Uh, I mean, our front of the house, um, our front of the house, we've got more or less the same people there. Um, our brewers, I've, got more or less the same people there. Um, so, you know, our, our kitchen had some turnover, but it, I don't really know who wouldn't, uh, when you tell people they can't go to work and make a, a living, they've got to figure out something. So, uh, just a lot of, a lot of up in the air, you know, stuff with changing regulations. And, you know, that was, that was definitely challenging for us, but through that, um, the majority of our staff, I'd say probably about 70% of our staff are or so is, uh, is existing still. So given that now, I mean, we've got a good chunk of people that now I, I want to say we've hired, we have one server position right now that we're actively like still looking to fit, uh, like a, the final piece of that puzzle. But be, beyond that one thing, I think we'd only hired, uh, we only hired one server, I think in the last three and a half years. Uh, and then with brewers, um, I mean, we, we, we went from having, a requirement of four people working down to three when we got bigger because our new equipment was able to handle less people pushing the buttons and turning the knobs, but uh, that person left on their own. So we actually haven't really, we haven't been too bad. Um, I, I've heard all the staffing problems with somebody. We've been very blessed and fortunate really to not have to deal with as much of that as I feel like I've heard around the industry, but um, 
we try to keep people happy. I mean, we, we like, like I said, we like to give likes to ideas, but we're just one company trying to figure it out too. Um, I, I don't imagine that that's a, a very easy conversation for anybody to have, but um, we've been pretty fortunate so far. I love the people that work there. Um, I care a lot about them. So, you know, we, we, we'd like to see them stay and, you know, if we can't keep them, then we want to see them blossom and go somewhere where they can do better than what they were doing for us. I, I think that really talks on your, um, your cadence and how you run your business and how you run and manage everything. I think that really is a um, something to be proud of, especially as someone like myself who was released from the industry. I talk to brewers all the time um, and especially with the ability of remote work, which allows a lot of people to access jobs that they may not have been able to access because of scheduling or something like that. Um, that like what you just told me is completely I don't think I've ever heard in the industry, but I think that um, goes to that first point of what you said is valuing the people for who they are, not just, you know, how many beers can they crank out in an hour or how many people can they serve um, and how many tables can they turn as fast as possible. So um, well, definitely like- all those things can, all those things matter. I have to, I have to just res- respond to that, but that stuff all does matter. I mean, there, there is certainly a business part, part of me that's like, yeah, well, I mean, if you don't put as many bolts or nuts on the bolt in, in an hour as you're supposed to, then, well, you can't work here. But uh, it, it, one of the things about having a small company too, where we empower and enable people is that they hold each other accountable. Um, that has been a huge burden off of my shoulders as an owner, because we've got people with invested time and skills who want to see themselves continue to have a job, but they want to grow the company. They want to, they want to see like how, how awesome this can get this thing that I basically built. Like they have essentially a part of the ownership process when they're not being told you must do it a certain way and only my way or the highway. So yeah, it's just a, it's a creative industry in general. And I I think it would be wise for us to maybe not lose sight of that. Well, thinking of creative industries, I wanted to go to something a little bit more fun to talk about. Um, since our last chat, you've created a brand called Thick with two C's, uh, which is an anti-seltzer. What What is an anti-seltzer? Uh, seltzers. Yes. Fun topic. Um, seltzers kind of came out of nowhere with the Truly and White Claw, all that stuff. Obviously, we got Smooge over in Ann Arbor, like the opposite end of the spectrum and the smoothie thing. Uh, so we've got this like growing trend. I would say like, uh, like mixed drinks like uh ready to drink cocktails like all that stuff like that we're going to be seeing a lot more of those sort of things too i I would predict but uh regarding seltzer specifically our brand uh with with thick was just meant to be uh something that's kind of in the middle ground it's made with real fruit uh it's it's a little heavier than we'll say a truly or a white claw but it's not going to be in the order of something that you just put in a blender so that's it. That's the brand. And we package those in 16 ounces. We thought about moving those to 12 ounce cans, but right now, uh, it, as it stands, we're you know only about six months into our production facility. So we've, we haven't focused as heavily on those, although there are a few of them coming back. We're selling those mainly out of the tap room right now. So uh, shelf stability is obviously a concern. Anything that you put um, a sugary <laughs> base into something that ferments, and then you put a lid on that and set it out on a shelf, you've got you know, some quality issues you got to worry about there. So we, we take extra precautions with that. You've got um, lab tests, centrifuging, all those fun things that are available to you. But 
We have heard horror stories of beers, not your beers, but beers in general that are oh, like those beers we're, exploding. We're not uh, we're not immune. We've had a couple exploders too, but thankfully no <laughs> nobody's been injured. But you ride this fine line in our industry, right? I, I, some people just avoid it entirely, and I completely respect that position. But uh, we've been always somebody or a, a company that's trying to, I guess, lead a little bit more on the forefront of experimentation, figuring out what's what's new, exciting, what do people want us to do? What, how does that align with what we like? And, you know, of course, brewers only want to make <laughs> lagers they can drink all day long. Well, while, while we're, uh, you know, we, we can't be sipping double IPAs and gorilla juice and, you know, sugar water all day long, you know? So, so there's this, this mix of like, Hey, we've got to, we've got to enter this space somehow, but like, what's a product that we would be happy with, but it's not quite like everything else that's out there. Uh, so it, it's a nice option. If you don't want 300 calories in a drink, but you also want something that's a little different than maybe a hundred, but with real fruit flavor and not like just some extract, you know, there, there's gotta be a product for, for the guy who's kind of in the middle on that. Like you're not going to grab a half a dozen of these things and slam them when you're out on a boat. Like that wouldn't be good behavior either. So, you know, what is it good for? Um, I don't know, one or two sharing on a hot day, like the the same reason I think seltzers are, you know, popular. Really, they're they're good for the warmer weather. I'm people are drinking them all year now, but I like them in the warm weather personally. I'm uh, a seltzer guy for sure. I, well, I mean, I I used to be a huge seltzer guy. I know fans of the show will remember when I was, you know, true 100% keto and I was drinking just seltzers and liquor on the show all day, um, not drinking anything else except for little tasters of beer. Uh, but you did mention all of these lighter beers, you know, beers that brewers want to drink. And I kind of want to get your thoughts. Um, lately, everyone's kind of been getting into the world of the Italian Pilsner. Um, other guests on the show, like Oddside and Old Nation, have had it. You have your own, which is called Gatto. Um, yeah. What is an Italian Pilsner, and what do you think sets yours apart from the others within the industry? Ooh, I don't know. You know, honestly, I'm. Uh, I need to have more of what everybody else is making. I know it's in terms of style. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if we're being honest, there's really not a ton of differences between anything labeled Italian Pilsner and and other pilsners. Um, your choice of hops are going to dictate that a lot. We used, uh, we used Sapphire hops in ours, which we felt like the, the flavor added just the right amount of uh, brightness and a little bit of citrus, but nothing too heavy, nothing real objectionable. It's still a, a beer drinker's beer. And it's got our Gatto theme, of course, because we're, our, well, I'm not personally, our brewers are all cat guys. So you'll, you'll find just you know, from a brand thing, kind of funny. If you look at our labels, there's, there's uh, cat related themes that keep kind of coming back, but yeah, Gatto is our entry into the space. Uh, it's, you know, a bright golden colored beer it tastes great. Easy to drink. If you like our beer, that will be a very familiar uh, style to us. It's got kind of some of the Ascension character that people recognize when they try it now. So, um, yeah, that's Gato. Well, we are looking back at our older episode, and I was actually looking at your your launch list. So the list of beers that you had when you first <laughs> nice. started. I don't know if you've actually looked at that um recently it's, but it's funny that you bring this up i want to hear what you're going to ask me about it well if you if you look at it you have a barley wine um there was a saison in there uh, a sour um i don't know if it was any special type of sour it was called heavens to murgatroyd oh um, yes that would be one of those things we call a happy accident from back <laughs> when you first initially opened <laughs> um 
uh, a cream ale. But if I look at your list now, while everyone really knows about you for your Gorilla Juice, for your hazy IPAs, you have right now on tap that pills, a ESB, a uh, a brown ale, which I think was in your first. Um, yep. Uh, your my prerogative. Um, why is it important for you to keep all of these? Uh, I, I would say not not brewed very often beers on your list still eight years later. Uh, real simple answer. Not everybody wants something that tastes like half a gallon of fruit was dumped into it or uh, 10 barrels of hops per, <laughs> you know, it, it, so it's, it's a, it's, it's more of a question for us of like, who's drinking in our bar? Like, what do people, again, what do people want? What do we want? There is, there's a marriage of all of that stuff that happens. So for, for us, uh, it, it's the reason I said it's funny that you brought that up because we, we had this discussion a little bit earlier this year. And, and one of the, the ongoing projects of this year was to bring back some of those old brands that were there when we first started, but we're going to remake them entirely. So we've learned a lot in seven years. I mean, we're, honestly, we were I was a, a slightly more advanced home brewer who thought it would be a cool idea to open a brewery in my hometown because we didn't have one. And I was looking for an exit from a previous business uh, where I, I was not able to and really get the the life that I was looking for out of that, and just wasn't feeling the wasn't feeling the long term prospects there. But now we've got a place that's close by to us, and Novi at least. I'm you know every population's a little bit different, but I feel like no matter where you live, there's always going to be a good part of the population that doesn't mind something traditional, and. I have to have something that appeals to kind of both crowds, like the people like yourself or me or whatever. Like when you go into a brewery and you see a list, you know, everything that's on it already. Like when you read the list, you can see like a double IPA, you know what that means. Well, if the only time I ever tried a double IPA was, you know, a stone arrogant bastard from 10 years ago, and it was so bitter that I could barely even drink it. That's probably still what I think of IPAs. And I never touched another one. That's your average guy. So when, when that guy walks into the bar He's not looking for that product. Like, what else do you got for him? You got that Pilsner, you got that Brown, maybe, or, you know, something that's a little bit just more low key. Uh, you know, I can order more than one of them. So it, it is funny because they they don't pull the the big untapped ratings and get the reviews from all the, the hype websites and stuff like the other things do for us, but uh, they don't really have to. And that's not why they, they get made. So it, it's, a, it's a weird space to live in because we have tools like this untapped thing. Uh, for example, we've got you know hundreds of thousands of check-ins and all this crazy stuff now, or I think we're over a hundred thousand, maybe I I don't know the exact number, but it's a lot 000. of feed. It's a lot of feedback, so you figure out very quickly like what do people want. And uh, but but the interesting thing is like all of those, <laughs> all of those like older traditional styles, like almost universally they have I would say probably fifty percent or more less check-ins than than the rest of those hype products. And that's because the guy that drinks that product doesn't even know what Untapped is, <laughs> but they still like it. So it's just a matter of us of thinking about like who's actually coming to the bar. You know, like this is not necessarily just a crowd of younger people who are all on trend and and want to drink something cool and unique and take pictures of it. Like this is guys that are 50, 60 years old and have been drinking beer for longer than I've been alive. So in some cases, like it's it's a it's it's a habit that's formed over many years that's got you know like i have a particular set of flavors i like and that's a good chunk of our customers so we try to listen 
Uh, but again, uh, it's not like it's really pulling your arm too hard because we like drinking the stuff too. Like I said, it's, it is easier to drink in, in some cases. And we think that it's possible to make an excellent representation of every style. I would say that's one of the things that we do differently. Maybe if you've never been there, you wouldn't know that because most of the stuff that you can buy from us on a shelf is, you know, it's more of the, the trendy stuff, a little bit more forward thinking. We're not canning our brown ale, not yet at least. So, but, you know, stuff like that, like the lighter beers have come back into popularity more uh more recently. And that's, that. it's been interesting watching those trends change versus when we first were open, uh, high gravity, anything was really getting people's attention. So a lot of our beers were 8% and up, you know, now, uh, now our list is majority 8% and below with the exception, obviously of stouts and, you know, the occasional triple IPA and stuff like that. Well, I saw you at the spring beer fest over in Traverse city. Were you able to do a lap and see? Cause that's the one thing I noticed mm-hmm. at most of those sites uh, that I went and drank at is these lower crisper lagers pills um, yep. that it, it almost felt like a different type of beer fest um, mm-hmm. than your standard one where everyone's bringing the biggest, the baddest, the quadruple barrel aged IPA. Um, right. You know, the, everyone's like, here's my lager. Here's here's my you know Italian pills. Here's my uh-huh. you know watermelon seltzer. Like it, it just it was a different feeling, and I'm kind of excited come the summer beer fest in Ypsilanti, which is usually just a crazy hot day. Um, that hopefully those beers will be there. Um, I know we've got just a little bit more time, and I do want to touch on uh, the Gorilla Juice um, line of products that you have. Uh, how, how did Gorilla Juice come to be and how do you decide what adjuncts or barrels that you're using to create all the different variations that you have? Hmm. Uh, Gorilla Juice was born from us uh, really out of just trying to come up with an idea for a new style outline that was a little bit maybe more intense than what was already out there, at least in wide scale. So I don't know why we really took the approach to have it as high of alcohol as we did. It just kind of, I don't know if it ended up like that the first time or if it was entirely planned. I knew that we were doing a really big beer, but the very first time that product got made, there was a lot of question of like, how much of this is actually going to ferment out? And at that point, really, uh, stouts weren't, they weren't pastry stouts. They were they were still more uh, on the roasty side, a little more bitter, definitely different in terms of body. So something back then when we first made it, if it would have ended up too sweet, people wouldn't have actually liked it. But now things like uh, you know the pastry stouts we make now are, are what, what Gorilla Juice squarely is for sure. So that beer has even, you know, the alcohol content's really more or less the same, but some of the brewing techniques have changed. The body has changed. Um, our ability to control flavors that's that's improved um, but the lines like man how do we pick the barrels how do we pick the flavors this is like the million dollar question every year because we don't want to make the same thing every single time but we also want to you know pay some homage and bring back fan favorites so every year uh, we have a big event in December called gorilla juice day and it's a it's you know hundreds of people come to it there's big lines and all these bottles everywhere. And it's a ton of fun. It's an event-based thing. So, you know, it's, it's an outing, it's a great time, but the, the, the way we pick the barrels, mm, a lot of that really is just going to a couple of our, our suppliers and just seeing what they've got at the time. Uh, in, in the case of the barrel age product, there's never enough of that. Right. But we have to do that so many months in advance. So like right around now, exactly. Um, 
is, is kind of the time we actually just recently filled a bunch. Uh, we're going to be filling a bunch more barrels probably in the next week or two. Uh, actually a good reminder. I need to place another order for those, but the, I'm also a bourbon drinker. So it, and so is Brandon, our head brewer, and he's got, you know, a pretty good eye for that sort of thing. And for the most part, he trusts me to pick the barrels. So, uh, this year we've got, geez, we got a, we got a whole bunch of new stuff, but I did just pick up some Elijah Craig 21 year, 20, 21 year, something like that, but really, really nice barrels. They actually had about 10 ounces of whiskey in them when we still got them. So I know those are going to be good. That whiskey was incredible, but, uh, just picking like what, again, like, what do we like? What, what are the flavors that we like? Do we want to do some in rye? Do we want to do a double barrel? Do we want to let them age? You know, what happens if we leave it in the barrel six months longer? How does the flavor, you know, develop? There's, there's, there's lots of nuance to that, I, I'd say. And, and that's where blending really, when you're a larger, uh, a larger company and you have more barrels full of product than someone like me, uh, you, you can really control, uh, but through sampling and say, okay, barrel one needs to go with barrel three and four, but barrel two should be with barrels five and six when we make the product. So that's, that's the kind of like dorkiness that we're the level of dorkiness that <laughs> we're at, at, at this point currently. So it, it's kind of fun though, because you're, you're, you're grasping really, but uh, trying to maintain just the overall focus on quality uh that's a, it's kind of a halo product for us. That beer is not drunk by everybody. So, um, but the people who are into stouts really seem to like it. So it's always just trying to push the envelope and one up whatever we did a year ago that we're, we're trying to go for. Well, before I let you go, you did mention you are a bourbon person. So I want, uh, I, I love uh, a good whiskey. I love a good bourbon, not a big fan of scotch though. Um, why don't you give me a, a good shelf bourbon, like something to, to keep on my, uh, you know, something to go buy right now. And then what's a good bourbon that I should be on the lookout for that might be a a little pricier, but it's well worth the money. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, let's see a couple of shelf bottles that I would buy right now. Um, like I mentioned, Elijah Craig, like I'm definitely an Elijah Craig fan. Um, I love the the single barrels, anything that you can get, like a like a foolproof Elijah Craig, if you happen to find one, like that's a really nice bottle. Um, as far as like a, a shelf bottle, uh, nothing wrong with Buffalo Trace, never never hurt you there. Uh, Eagle Rare, obviously, if you can get that. Eagle Rare used to be like twenty five bucks. Now guys are hoarding it um, for a nice bottle. I mean, there's a I, I could give you the standard issue uh, <laughs> answers like the Stags and the Blantons and the Pappies and all of that kind of thing, but. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I get a chance to try some rare whiskey once in a while, but uh, I'm not super picky about it, honestly. Like I don't write, I don't really like, uh, I don't really like the, like the bottom shelf stuff, but I don't know. I, I guess I don't have like Blanton's budget all the time either. So <laughs> I always tell people when, when I go for bottom shelf stuff, usually I'm, you know, mixing it with something. Like I don't want to mm-hmm. mix a good, like, uh, I wouldn't mix Elijah Craig into a cocktail. Like I, right, right. you know, you, you want the you want the flavors of the cocktail out, not necessarily the bourbon. You want, just want the bourbon flavor of the bourbon. So um, I'm looking over at um, behind me right now, Ken. I'll tell you what I have in my office. I have right, your office. I have a bourbon that I bought in Indianapolis when I was visiting uh, some friends and picking up kegs. That is from West Fork Whiskey Company. That's a pretty good one if you're ever down that way. I got a bottle of Aviation Gin. I have no idea what to do with that. Uh, and I got about a one finger pour left, maybe some old bottle of Blanton sitting there. And beyond that, I think my bourbon selection is looking pretty sad right now. 
I think yep. that just means it's time for you to go. I think shopping. it's time to, to make a little run up to Novi party store. <laughs> uh, Adam, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Uh, Ascension brewing. Uh, you guys are in distro. Where can they find you? Where can they find the brewery? Um, where can they drink your beer? Brewery is in Novi. We're on grand river. Google map us, uh, go to our Instagram, go to our Facebook, check out all that fun stuff. Read the reviews if you want. Uh, but come see us. It's definitely a, an in-person experience. Like I said, we have, we have great staff there. Like they'll get you talking. They'll answer your questions. Uh, our food is really amazing. Our kitchen and our chef Mark there is doing a great job for us. Uh, but definitely check out, uh, your independent stores for the most part. Uh, we are also in some bars now or in all the Hopcats, which that's pretty fun. And uh, I think you can find our beer in Total Wine. But if you live in uh, any of the areas in Southeast Michigan, your local party stores, we are distributed by M4CIC out of Ann Arbor. And uh, you can find us anywhere that they distribute. Thank you so much. And of course, you could Google map them, but you might as well Michigan Brewery map app them. Uh, Yes. Thank you you so much, Adam, for joining us. No matter what you think of your beer, we think it's better on draft. Have a good night.